you're listening to episode 111 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and today it's a special That's Me episode, which means I'm chatting with one of my listeners. Today it's Mary Beth, and she has some questions which will be answered by mentor Kathy Litton. My goal as I moved along and I matured in my understanding of what leadership was and really had a deeper experience with the gospel, I began to see that my job is to put the gospel on display in my life. And so I want to free any spiritual leader from thinking my goal is to set some example or project an image. My goal is to boast in the cross. Now, some of you may have seen the title, That's Me, A Pastor's Wife, and been like, that episode's not for me. What's Heather doing? I need help. I want you to know that whether you're a pastor's wife, know a pastor's wife, or you are a human being, you will benefit from this episode. First of all, y'all are going to love the listener who's on, Mary Beth, you young moms. uh, You will identify with her story. She shares about you know, trying to figure out who to be authentic with and who she should be guarded with, how to find a mentor who's a, who's a safe person, and what should it look like if she wants to belong to a group but she doesn't want to lead it. I don't know if uh, other ministry wives or, or leaders out there feel like they're always the ones leading and you just don't have the capacity to do that. Well, then we're going to hear from Kathy Litton. Now, Kathy was named by the North American Mission Board as the National Director of Ministry to Pastors' Wives. She is wise. She helps lead Flourish.me. It's a website, an equipping community for ministry wives. But more than anything, first of all, Kathy shares her hard story, which is a story of being a pastor's wife and then a widow. And then in the unexpected way that God works, she's a pastor's wife again. Uh, Kathy is just wise. I think more than anything, you heard me say leadership a few times. And I think that uh, we all need to view ourselves as leaders. We're leading young children. She gives us wise words on vulnerability and where to draw lines on what we share and how we share it. She also gives wisdom on who, how to pick a safe mentor and more than anything, how to watch ourselves so we don't overcommit. It's going to be good. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Mary Beth, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hi, Heather. It's so great to be here with you. I'm so glad you reached out to me and you are willing to be a guest on the That's Me feature. So before we get into it, why don't you introduce everybody to your family? All right. I am um, a mom to three kids. I have a six-year-old named Titus, and he's in kindergarten this year, and um, my middle is a, is a girl named Nora and she's almost four. And then my baby, um, Jude just turned a year old and I've been married to my husband, Tim for eight and a, for eight and a half years. Very, very good. Sweet names. Titus. Thanks. Nora, Jude. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you reached out to me about a specific topic, um, that I, you are not the only one who's ever emailed me about. And so I asked you to be brave and just kind of share more of your story. Um, the challenges, but it, it's just true for everyone in every church. It's not specific to one church. It's just the reality mm-hmm. of the position of being a pastor's wife. Yes. You are in a unique position that um, changes relationships a little bit. And yes. Na- just naturally, just by the nature mm-hmm. of being a wife to a pastor. Yeah. 
So tell us some of your backstory. Like, how have you, like, from the moment you got married, were y'all in the pastoral role? Yes. We, um, well, we both knew separately, like, in high school, that we really wanted to serve the Lord in in ministry with our whole life. This was before we even met. Um, we both grew up in pastor's home, so we knew what the life would, would, um, would look like. And we still, and we still follow the Lord and chose it. Um, that's really interesting we, in itself. Like yeah, you both grew yeah. up as pastor's kids. Yeah. So wow. we, we definitely yeah. knew the life. Um, and then we met in college. We got married the day after graduation and, um, we went on our honeymoon and then the week after we got married, we flew from our honeymoon to Michigan where we candidated at our first church. And I was 21 years old. Wow. And um, so at 21 and 22, we started our first ministry. We were there for five and a half years. And then um, we moved here to Canton, Ohio. And we've been here for three years now. Hey, Kathy, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Heather, it is great to be with you today. I'm so glad that Katie Orr, who's been on the show and sharing her Bible studies, that she connected us because, oh man, we need some help. (laughs) We need some help. I have a sweet friend, Mary Beth, and she is a pastor's wife, and I've told you some about her, and she just would love your wisdom and insight. So thank you for being available. Well, I'm glad that Katie Orr made this connection. She she networks a lot of women, and we all need that. Yeah, we do. We do. So before we get into answering some of Mary Beth's questions— why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about your backstory as a pastor's wife? Heather, I would be glad to do that. Uh, I grew up in a very ordinary home in the Midwest. And uh, as a young girl, I came to understand the gospel and prayed to receive Christ. And, and the best I knew, I gave my life to Jesus as an eight-year-old little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on in life, uh, I met, a when I was a teenager, a young man that was called into ministry. And we got married very young. And so I became a ministry wife when I was 19 years old. My husband was already in full-time uh, ministry at a local church. And we went to college, we went to seminary. Uh, my husband, Rick, pastored uh, several churches, and we found ourselves in Denver, Colorado in an exciting season of ministry in our life. Uh, we moved to that city. Our church was right downtown. Mm. Um, that church had gone through some difficulties, and it was a very overwhelming uh, assignment that we felt like God had given us opportunity to walk through. And mm. But God did some amazing things from from 1991 moving forward. We began to plant churches and um, just had a really unique ministry. And really, in many ways, uh, Rick was a leader in church planning in our own denomination there in that city. And and then God did something very, very unexpected in 2002. We were on our way back to Missouri for a family vacation, and our family was in a terrible, uh, dramatic car accident. Mm. And I lost my husband, Rick Ferguson, in July of that year. Mm. Uh, I became a widow when I was 45, and my kids were 17 and 18 and 22. Mm. And uh, we were just days away from having our 26th wedding anniversary. Mm. So this Thing, this interruption, this unwanted thing that came into my life really set my life on a trajectory that I could have never seen coming. 
And in that time, like anyone else, our family uh, went down a long, hard journey with grief and a real loss and disappointment with what God had thrust into our family's experience. Mm. And in that, I tugged very hard on the line of the gospel in that hope that is the anchor for our soul. And um, the God that I had known as a little child um, did something so unexpected. It was not what I had in mind for my life, but it was what he had in mind for my life. And so that real journey with grief and doubt and struggle, God appeared to me in so many, many ways in Scripture, in people, in comfort, in counsel, in care. And actually, God became more alive and the gospel became more vibrant, even in that season of difficulty and brokenness. Mm. And um, I moved forward. I felt like God had another call in my life besides being a ministry wife and, and living beside Rick Ferguson. And I started to attend seminary, and God opened doors for me to serve on a local church, and I relocated away from Denver and had a great experience at a wonderful church in Northwest Arkansas. Um, And then God did something, again, very unexpected, and I met a a man who was also a pastor, and he had lost his wife in a car accident, Mm. and God uh, merged our two broken hearts, our two lives. And I had, I had lived alone as a widow for seven years. And wow. I married Ed Litton six years ago and relocated to Mobile, Alabama. And now I live and, um, and serve in the church that he has been pastor of for more than 22 years. So um, wow. I am very grateful for how God redeems and restores and, um, and heals and it's not just because I'm married that those things happen. God had already worked in my life to um, restore the joy of my salvation, to begin to redeem uh, the pain and loss of my own life and teach me how to pour out to others in that. And, uh, but here I find myself again as a pastor's wife. Mm. In the denomination that we're a part of, I serve on a national level leading a ministry for pastors' wives, and we particularly spend a lot of our emphasis working with church planners' wives as well. So uh, God is wringing all those circumstances uh, of my life out in ways that I just never saw coming. Wow. Thank you for sharing um, your testimony of that. That's that is a lot. And like you said, unexpected um, yeah. for hard and for good um, ways that he redeems. And we could never imagine, yeah. you know, yeah. more than we could even imagine. And and I'm so thankful that you took what you've learned and all of that. And you're now feeding back into these women and doing what you're doing. I love that there's a ministry to pastors' wives, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a web. There's a website too, right? You yes. That before, yeah, I I run a website called Flourish. Uh, the address is www.flourish.me, mm. and we do. I do lead a team of women that contribute from all different pockets of the United States and Canada, writing about. Um, the journey of being a pastor's wife and or a church planner's wife in urban context, in traditional settings, uh, in California, in Ohio, in South Florida, uh, all over. And um, those voices, 
One thing I see, Heather, that pastor's wives really long for, they long for someone that kind of understands their situation. This calling is beautiful and it is glorious and it Mm. is not a burden and it is, it is not something that we don't want to be a part of, but it is something that is somewhat unique. It is a unique culture. There's few vocations out there where a wife is so tied to her husband's work than there is in ministry. And it's much like the military. Mm. A military wife takes on so much of her husband's vocational role. And Mm. so when we find people that kind of understand the uniqueness, not the burdens of it necessarily, but the uniqueness and how there are parts of this culture that we swim in that few women will understand. And I think that women look for someone that can understand, that can speak into those things. And also, we're looking for ways to be equipped. I Mm. find many ministry wives want to be leaders. They want to use this position that they have for the kingdom of God and to be influential. And yet, few denominations, we really don't have schools for pastors' wives. We really don't have opportunity for training. And so, uh, I see our website as a place where women can be understood, and I see our website as a place for uh, where women can be equipped. I mean, you you deal on your website many many times, often around the idea of motherhood. Mm-hmm. We don't get schools for motherhood either, and so right. they're drawn to your website kind of for the same reason: someone that understands and someone that can arm them with something that can change their role in their home. So our side is very similar. Yeah. Okay. So from like a parishioner, is that the name of a person who goes to church? That seems really formal. The lay person. The lay person. I feel like I'm in an English novel. (laughs) So like from the outside, I mean, we've been at our church 12 years Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we've now gotten to the point where we'll go to, have dinner i'll be at a group dinner with our pastor and his wife or i've gotten to know my pastor's wife you know as a friend Mm -hmm. but the first probably decade no like there was distance (laughs) right and not that they weren't friendly people it's just like they're the pastor is held to a higher standard Mm -hmm. than the rest of the church and so by nature the wife is held to a higher standard apart from the church. And I know each church does this differently with this position comes some challenges. So, um, you've been at different places. Mm -hmm. What have been some of the things that have been challenging in this role? Probably the hardest is just the guardedness that you have to feel a lot. Um, the relational guardedness that's there where you really want to be real, especially if you're struggling with something, Mm-hmm. You want to be real. And, and most of the times, you know, the people in the church want you to be real as well. Right. But it's knowing when is, when is it appropriate? Like, when do I just need to deal with this on my own mm-hmm. or find, you know, someone to help me and not, you know, bring the whole church into it? Or, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a lot of like analyzing and yeah, trying to be discerning, through. trying yeah. to be discerning of, when do I need to just deal with this and be a mature Christian and just, you know, deal with it myself and, um, or, or let others in. And when is that appropriate, Mm -hmm. you know, is really finding the appropriate line of where you can allow your relationships with other women to go. I think that the word garden is, is good because it's not like you're saying 
someone else puts that on you, but you mm-hmm. are at constant check with yes. what you say and how you respond mm-hmm. so that you represent your family well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you don't want to cross some line and cause some problem for right. your family and ministry. Yeah. And especially when you, um, when your struggle is with your family mm-hmm. or say with your marriage or um, what, or even like financial, mm-hmm. you know, you're not really going to share those kinds of things with an everyday person because you know, what will this person think of my, of my husband or will they think I'm not grateful for what the church is providing? Or, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you just have to think of those things that a lot of the way that you live is because of the church. And um, yeah, so you just have to be really careful even about, about a lot of the topics that you bring up or um, yeah. the things that you're thinking about or concerned over. Um, it just, it, it really does teach you a lot of dependence on God and and trusting Him to meet your needs and to give you the things that you need when you need them. So um, I would love to have you, with all your wisdom and all your experience, help me help Mary Beth and anyone else listening who can relate to Mary Beth's struggles. Um, She mentions, and I could totally understand this, a kind of a general guardedness Mm -hmm. in her relationships, um, really wanting to be real, but trying struggling with what's appropriate to share. What should she just as a mature Christian work through herself and what should she ask help for? So what, what do you, what tips or advice do you have regarding that? Well, I, I, when I think about Mary Beth, I was her at one time. Actually, I had my children were almost the same age as, uh, you know, when I was 27 instead of the age that she is. And so mm-hmm. I'm 30 years ahead of her in age mm-hmm. now. And yes. I would say to Mary Beth, like I'd say to many other ministry wives, most of the things that I speak out are things that I learned the hard way, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she is in. A, a place that most women and especially most pastors' wives can understand. Um, the culture that we're in in our churches um, are all very different. And, mm-hmm. and the culture in the church should be a very healthy place of community and vulnerability and transparency when people understand the gospel and they they strive for a community that's honest and open and some churches are further along in that understanding and 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 desire that culture in a different way and when we walk into the churches that we serve uh it is it is up to us to see the landscape and understand the landscape, whether it's completely healthy or not, to understand and take in what it really is. We need to understand who they are. We need to have discernment. Mm -hmm. Uh, That culture may not be a place where transparency and vulnerability, as we need it, is able to be practiced. That's just the truth of the matter. Got it. now, I will say this, looking back on my mindset when I was in the, my 20s, I think that I lived under more, and my generation probably lived under more of a burden that as a spiritual leader, we we're supposed to protect some image and that we would set an example. And I would have never said this to myself, but down deep, I think there was this idea that I needed to be the perfect fill in the blank, whatever right. it was. Right. And once, as leaders, we throw off the idea that we have to be that person, the, the perfect example of, of whatever, it's very freeing for us. Mm. And so 
my goal as I moved along and I matured in my understanding of what leadership was and really had a deeper experience with the gospel, I began to see that my job is to put the gospel on display in my life. Mm. And so I want to free any spiritual leader from thinking my goal is to set some example or project an image. Mm. My goal is to boast in the cross and mm. that if if I fail or my children's fail, when my kids bit somebody in the nursery, that's upsetting. <laughs> yes. But yes. you know what? That's just humanity. And, you mm-hmm. know, your kids as teenagers act inappropriately at school or, or at church or whatever. The gospel goes on display in our family. So I want to say, first of all, Heather, that as a mindset of a spiritual leader, we have to unburden ourselves from thinking that we'll always set an example and that our kids need to toe the line or that I need to toe the line. We're going to fail, and, and we need the gospel just like anybody else. So mm-hmm. I want to say that before I talk about this idea of being guarded, mm-hmm. um, because once I free became unburdened from living from that perspective, it was freeing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think people long—the culture shifted a lot in my lifetime. They're longing for authenticity. And I don't doubt that Mary Beth wants to be authentic with her church. Now, whether or not her present situation or the next one or the next one will allow for that as much as she needs it to, that's something that she's not in control of. Right. I do think in a healthy church culture uh, that we have— I've already said vulnerability and transparency. Have you ever seen, like in your experiences, where um, the pastor leads that and then the church is resistant to it? Like I've seen from the pulpit times when a pastor shares some of his own struggles and that kind of like lets the valve loose for everyone else too. Our pastor is very good at sharing his own struggles. And so I feel like our church is a, that's just the way we are. We all share how we all should be in a 12-step program. Like, Mm -hmm. we are all in need of that. And so, have you ever seen or been a part of where um, the pastor is authentic and then the church is resistant? Yes, absolutely. I, I, even my husband, Ed, will say sometimes about our church, which is, I think, is a healthy church, but he will say along the way, kind of half-joking, you love for me to be honest and vulnerable, but you're not willing all to go there yourselves. And I think mm-hmm. you can even have a mixed response to it. They love it when you are, but they're not willing to. So, yes, yeah. I, I yeah. don't think that just modeling it make you know will is the, it will okay. work. Yeah. Have you ever seen where you the pastor is authentic and then the church actually is doesn't want them to be like that? That backfires and that they. Would rather the pastor keep that perfection? Yeah, I I think more and not I've never seen that in a collective sense, but okay. individually you're gonna yeah. have all these people out there with different expectations and some of mm-hmm. them will say, Oh, he went too far. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um um you know there's a there's a definition for vulnerability that I love and I use it often is vulnerability is a risk that we take for a greater good. In other words, when I'm willing to share, and you know, when the Bible talks about confessing your sins to one another so you will be healed, mm-hmm. there's talking about confessing something for a greater good, and that is healing. Mm-hmm. And the idea that a spiritual leader will share something for a greater good, and I, I say this to pastors' wives a lot, 
vulnerability is not just vomiting up your life. Right. That's good. And that's good for all of us. <laughs> yeah, it is good for all of us. Because yeah. I do think we live in a culture where like, I'm going to say whatever I way. think. It's yeah. swinging the other way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I do think that I went through a personal crisis with one of my kids and I shared something that was very, very difficult. And I didn't want to share it, but I was desperate for prayer and for community. I mean, desperate. And it was an embarrassment, to be quite honest with you. But I was willing to be embarrassed for a greater good. And so mm. there's where it's incumbent on the person being vulnerable. Is there a greater good here? There's right. still discernment. You know, I would say to Mary Beth or anyone about the whole garden, this thing, we still have to have discernment in vulnerability. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a good marker when I'm considering something. Is this a sin that needs to be confessed openly to help others? Or yeah. is this just something that I just want to say because I want to say it? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. well, as we, as I find a mentor and I ask her some things, what specific question did you have for her regarding relationships? as a pastor's wife? The biggest one is um, the, the issue of finding a mentor. Mm. Um, for me, has always been something I've really desired. And I don't feel like I've ever really had. Um, and it's not that there's any lack of, um, lack of godly women in the churches I've been in to ask. But it's, again, like I don't feel like there's a lot of options because it really you know, as a, as a woman, you really want to find that one person who you, who you, who you feel safe with, you know, that you can mm -hmm. kind of let the guard down, that you don't always have to be the pastor's wife when you walk in the room. Yeah. And, um, and to be able to find a person that you can kind of share some deeper things on your own heart. And maybe, you know, when, you know, when you have marriage struggles or, you know, things in your family are going, or are going on that, that are closer to your heart that you're not just going to share with anyone that you feel like you have someone to go to um, for and someone to get advice from, you know, yeah. a lot of times in the church, you know, my husband and I do a lot of counseling together, but I'm only 29 years old. I don't yeah. have everything figured out. I am very young in the ministry still, even though I've grown up with it and I understand this is part of the job. It's like, but I'm only 29 years old and I still have a lot of growing in the Lord to do as well. Yeah. Um, but it's really just how to find that person um, who you feel like you can really appropriately um, talk with and be you with, really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. So let's move into her next question um, about finding a mentor. So she, you know, all of us, I think it's almost been in all of these That's Me episodes because... I'm setting up a mentor relationship here where the young mom's asking a mentor that they really are desiring wise women. So to help him, particularly she mentioned marital issues and financial issues. Um, she doesn't feel like it's appropriate to go to someone in her church. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's very tricky. Um, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to say this as a caveat, discernment always have to be in play here because yeah. I, I do, I did share some things in my twenties and thirties with some of the wrong people. Mm. It did not always cause great damage for me, but it could have, um, yeah. I'm not naive to think that someone won't take something you've shared in a moment of brokenness and vulnerability and use it against you. That's unfortunately, that's just life. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
you know, I, I will say there, there, the aloneness in that is pretty powerful. I don't, I don't deny that either. Mm-hmm. Um, I say this with a caveat because, like I said, it never came back to bite me. But I did take some risk um, in relationships in that time of my life, and and it wasn't. Su- I mean, there there will be a risk of sharing. Um, along the way. And I understand her desire for a mentor and wanting a mentor, but she's going to have to go slowly on that. If I had moved a little more slowly with some people, I might not have shared some of the things I did. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're kind of identifying that safe person is what you're saying. So what features in an older woman, someone farther along, would you say makes them a safe mentor? Um. I mean, looking for their spiritual maturity, for sure. I mean, okay. trying to find someone that is seasoned. Uh, looking for their emotional maturity as well, that they won't be someone that will carry your news to someone else because they don't have that need to be a gossip, to be mm. um, that kind of thing. So you're looking for spiritual maturity, emotional maturity. Um and, you know, I think, too, I think being willing to tell your burden without giving too many details. Mm. I think as women, we love the details. Mm. Um, I went through, Rick and I went through a season of marriage struggle in, in, a, in a church. Um, and I remember going and telling a friend of something that had happened. And I look back often, think, I could have told that without giving the details I could have said, we have had this encounter. I can't tell you what it is. I think putting a few more boundaries around the details of our conversation as, as a spiritual leader is very helpful. Okay. I'm unburdening them, but I'm not getting down into the minutia of the argument or the conflict. Right. And, uh, that's a little bit of a safety barrier. And, and I think we have to relieve ourselves of the need to try to tell all those details and say, we're struggling. And I just need to talk. Now, I, you know, that helps a little. There's a little protection in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that's just wise in general. Yeah. To maybe even, I don't know, not to call it a test, but kind of a test. of Yes. <laughs> you yeah. Put a little, little, you know, thing out there and see how they do with that. And is that a source, a place that can be trusted with the next level up and, um. But, you know, Heather, I see women everywhere, just so she doesn't feel so alone. I see women everywhere looking for mentors. And it makes me grieved with my generation that we're Mm. not willing to be available and to step into some of these things. And to recognize that this girl needs a place to kind of overflow some of the complexities of her life and let her... Let her be a little cray-cray, you know what I mean? Yeah. And take that from her and, yeah. and let her walk through it. Because we've been there. Let's not forget our own. <laughs> well, and probably your generation is the one that's bridging between a life when we all lived with our grandparents and our aunts and our uncles. And there was a natural mentoring that happened just in your family yes. and the mm-hmm. safeness of a family. And so now we're having to reach out and there's a, you know, can I trust that person? I don't know all their story. And do they, are they even invested as much as a family member would be? And so it it is a trickier thing. And I've I've heard mentors even say, well, I don't want to overstep my boundaries. And Mm -hmm. so the young person having to be the one that invites, but maybe not even having the energy (laughs) Mm -hmm. to reach out or knowing, you know, 
how much that mentor is willing to do. It's a, it is a dance <laughs> that <laughs> no, each person has to come to. And it's, it is, it's, it's and a need I, in us, but there is a shortfall allow. of women that are mature and seasoned willing to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, and beyond, I'll speak for my generation, my 59 year old generation, we have our own demons. We think we're not perfect. We have failed. You know, we're, Satan is trying to keep us on the sidelines and he's doing a pretty good job of it. I would say this to Mary Beth too, though. I would look back, I look back, I love deep, meaningful relationships. And there was a time in my life, Heather, where I felt like if it couldn't be deep and meaningful, I didn't want it. Mm. And I would say my, my friend, Susie Hawkins, who writes for us, she, she talks about a pastor's wife, billing, being willing to have friendships at different levels. Mm. And now I see that, okay, so this isn't deep and meaningful yet, but you know, we can go to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A and let our kids play in the play place and we can just talk. And it, there's, there's an emotional outlet and a community that can be found in that. Maybe I can't be as transparent as I'd like to be with this person right now. But, but, but you know what? We can go to Chick-fil-A and let our kids play in the play place together. And I mm-hmm. think being willing to take the friendships that are available and use them and find a way for them to breathe life into my soul, even if it's just those moments, and, and wait for God to bring along the more meaningful, uh, deep ones. You know, I, I I have really been thinking about that one a lot lately because I have just, I feel like since this past summer, I just have really been thinking a lot about pastors' ways and really developing a burden for them. Um, and I, I have a lot of friends who who are who are also pastors' wives, but we're kind of all just spread out because we're all in different churches. We're kind of all like isolated, to, you know, together in mm-hmm. different churches and it's like, how do you, like, we could all understand each other because we're all here, but by the nature of what God has called us to, we're kind of on our, you know, on our own. And how do you connect pastors' wives? I kind of wondered about that, about the online option. But yeah. I I do have um, one close friend from our previous church in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm, she has been a huge blessing um, since we've moved the Lord has actually allowed our relationship to get closer. Mm. But a lot of it's because my husband isn't her pastor anymore. And yeah. we, you know, we are, she is out of my life and I'm kind of out of hers too. And so we're able to have a really close relationship. Um, like we would, like we wouldn't actually be able to have if we live near one, you know, near one another. Yeah. And that's so nice, but it's still hard because she's a person that, I want to go have like a girl's night with, but she's not, but she's not around, you know? Yeah. 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 And I don't know. um, There's, you know, the desire, the emotional need we have for connection and authenticity Mm -hmm. and being vulnerable. And, and like you said, getting advice and help from a mentor and that, you know, getting that outlet, whether it's online or like from across Mm -hmm. the States, but, uh, then there's this day in day out living life together that we want to do. Do you yeah. feel like you have a group of women that you are living life with through Bible studies and um, mops and, you know, different things that you just do on a regular weekly basis? No, I don't No, I don't really have that now. And that's, that um, is really hard. That's yeah. like, I do feel really isolated and, um, 
this is actually this past uh, fall, I was, I was driving and we were, we were a part of a mobs group and it closed. And um, I had just kind of felt like the Lord was saying, this is kind of a good time to pull out and see what else I have for you next. And, um, you know, move on to something else. And we passed by the church where we do this mops group. And my daughter was like, why don't we have mops anymore? And I was trying to explain that it had closed. And she said, and I realized, and she was really missing it. And, she, and I realized this was like the first fall in the past like six years that I haven't been involved in like any like Bible studies or groups. And, yeah. um, and I, because we're at a small church, so there's not a whole lot of that kind of um, thing at our church, but I realized like, well, I, I guess if I want that, I have to start that. And mm-hmm. I was feeling really isolated and I, I thought, but I don't want to start something. I just want to be a mom coming in, really needing support. I don't want to have to be in charge of something. And yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a you know, true, yeah. true um, struggle for pastor's wives too, is uh, sometimes it's an expectation of the church that you're going to be in charge of mm-hmm. something with a children's ministry, or you're going to be in charge of something with women's ministry, or you're going to lead a Bible study. Sometimes it's just the nature of you are already so strong in the Lord so it's mm-hmm. natural that you would be a leader. That's kind of just right. your natural wiring matches up with being mm-hmm. a leader. But that longing to just show up, the longing right. <laughs> to just show up and be fed into is, you know, a legitimate desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A legitimate- and just to have that and just to have that friendship with people, that, yeah. that interaction, that human interaction with people. Um, that you feel safe with, you know, that you feel like you can be you um, is, is something I, I really do long for. Um, And yeah, I just am trusting the Lord for that, you know, that in his timing, he would bring that to me. Um, But, you know, pastors wise, we're just the same as every other woman in the church. You know, we have those same, you know, relational needs and Mm -hmm. it will look a little different um, then, you know, another woman in the, in the church, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just for me trusting the Lord, um, to bless me with that friendship when he desires. But that would be another question I would, I, I think I would ask, um, uh, this woman that you're going to have come, you know, come on and talk about this with is just like, how does that look for a pastor's wife to have a friend, you know, a close um, friend in the church or outside of the church. Um, what would maybe be her perspective or some encouragement that she can give um, on that? Well, I think that's a good lead into the next question of, of an- you basically answered, like, what does it look like for a pastor's wife to have a friend? Is that a realistic expectation? She's believing a lie that she doesn't deserve or shouldn't have the privilege of having those friends. Um, no. no, she definitely needs friends. And and again, I'll just say what I've already repeated. She, yeah. she can have friends at all levels. Yeah. If, you know, I, I love to work out. I've always been very involved in, in working out and, and sports related things. And I took my passion and found friendships in that little domain of mm. what I do. Mm. Um, I went to the gym this morning. I have relationships at the gym. And so I think she needs to find all pastor's wives like, and if you have small kids, you go down a mommy track and you say, how can I connect with this person and form this? Yes, it may be kind of a low level, but 
it's okay to have friends that you just have fun with or you share a, you know, uh, you know, I see pastors live that work. They have relationships in their jobs that they tell me are very life-giving to them, even though they may not even be, be people that are born again. And so mm-hmm. taking advantage of those friendships at all those levels and mops group, there's where all those things, uh, again, we may long for that deep intimacy where you can sit down and talk about spiritual things all the time or, or have that place, but take what you can get in the ways you can as far as building relationships. And um, you know as well as I do, um, sitting with their moms and during these during a play date and just sharing the role of motherhood can be very helpful to us. Yeah. Yeah. Do, with Flourish, do y'all connect women in communities? Like, you is know, that an option that you've been? We do not really have that option. It's it's kind of been out of our scope of, mm-hmm. of, of staffing and different things, but it, it is very helpful. And I, you know, I think, I think about where technology has taken us in my lifetime. There are so many ways to connect. I text women all the time and, you know, it's not a perfect substitute for a friend with skin on, but I'm telling you what, when you can connect with people across the country in any online fashion or even via texting, uh, you can draw a lot of strength from those things. Um, well, that's what I was telling um, her. I have a group, Katie's in this group of that I'm on this um, – it's called Voxer. It's like a mm-hmm. walkie-talkie on yeah. your phone. You and I used it together. So – we have this group and it's constant stream of prayer requests and um, vulnerability and sharing because we're so out of each other's lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's no way I'd even be able to tell their people in their community what's going on. Um, unless I guess I put it on Facebook, but I just, it's just a safe place for all of us to kind of share. And, uh, but I, I know these women we've, we've met in flesh and those times when we're together in real life, just build. And then mm-hmm. we're staying connected via this online option. And I kind of wonder, like, maybe if she can't find a mentor or a, a good friend in the church, the online options, mm-hmm. um, something's better than nothing kind of thing. Like, I you totally know. agree with that. I, I, I think taking, being creative, taking yeah. the initiative, uh, and, and being intentional in trying to develop that uh, thing. And, um, uh, I travel a lot. I meet people, and you've had this happen. You meet someone, you're just like, yeah. man, I don't even know them, but there's some connection here, and there's walk away deep, from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk away with that with something, and you have their phone number. Begin texting. It's it's you know it takes some initiation and it takes some energy, but I'm telling you, there's a payoff mm-hmm. in relationship building that. Um, that benefits us emotionally. And if we feel somewhat isolated in a spiritual leader role, that will help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all so good. Have you ever been, she mentioned um, wanting a group that she could be in that she's not in charge of. Do you think that that's a general um, expectation of pastor's wives that they will start the thing, start the Bible study, start the women's group? Yeah, I think this has a lot to do with our unique personality wirings and our leadership capacity. Um, You know, there are some that, you know, they're natural born leaders and they don't feel comfortable not leading something. Uh, But she also is a young mother with three kids. Right. Her being aware of her 
capacity and not overcommitting herself. I totally see that as being something as pastor's wives, uh, we, we feel responsible. And when we can step away from that, there's something freeing. And you know what? I will say that if she was here, I would say this to her face. You, okay. you only have this journey with these kids at the ages they are now. Mm-hmm. And to be overcommitted, and I regret how overcommitted I was in that season of my life because I did, I was wired to initiate and I, expelled, ex, I felt expected to initiate and lead those things. Uh, it's okay that she doesn't want to start that group right now. She probably doesn't have the capacity for that just energy-wise and time-wise at ages for children. And that season won't last very long. Sometimes, too, I think it depends on what community you're in on how authentic a pastor's wife can be. You know what I mean? I think every, yeah, every single church is different in their expectations of yes. that. And yes. every woman, I, I think, is a little different, too. So mm-hmm. um, really, every church will probably handle that a little bit differently. But I know even when we moved here three years ago, um, yeah, it was really hard, you know, moving to a new area with two little kids at the time and yeah. trying to get connected in the community and meet, meet other moms. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you kind of just had to stick yourself out there and try and do it. And, um, but it, it was hard because you kind of tell yourself some lies, like, well, I'm the pastor's wife. I just, I just don't, don't, I just don't get that privilege of mm. having close friends. And, and it's easy to start to believe that or like, Oh, these people have so many friends. They don't really need one more, you know, where you kind of feel like you're just butting into everyone else's lives and friend and friendships, but mm-hmm. just, um, but re- but realizing that those are lies and, you know, can like continually speaking truth to yourself and, um, not, and not, and not allowing Satan to, to just to discourage you with those. Yeah. 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 And I think you shared with me, reminding of yourself yourself the truth but then also what you do have like mm-hmm. sometimes we can see what we're missing out on and dwell mm-hmm. so much on that that we miss out on what we do have because i've stayed in the same place for 12 years and i have really great friendships and i'm not a pastor's wife but i will tell you there was a uh, a good 3 year chunk of loneliness where mm-hmm, i yeah. pulled out of a lot of things because i had four young children Mm-hmm. And the good in that is that I just really poured into um, needing to like sanity, like keep our schedule simple and pour into my husband who had a really demanding job at the time and just kind of really train the boys so that we could go in public again. Um, but that was a really lonely, hard time mm-hmm. to have to to kind of pull out of groups and not be included because we just have so many children and um and just reminding myself that that was just some investment years and mm-hmm. not the ideal way we function. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is something you know, to I the fact that you have three young children too. Yeah. yeah. And I really hit, like, I, I think a really low point this summer Yeah, where I was just like, we have been here for almost three years and I have done everything I can think of to make a really good friend. And, you know, I was really having I was wallowing mm-hmm. <laughs> in it. And um, and then through this time, I just feel like this is where the Lord really started um, growing my heart towards pastors' wives and like, how can we connect with one another? And, mm-hmm. um, and I got two pieces of, of wisdom, one from my best friend from Michigan that mm-hmm. I told you about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and one from Tim, but, but, um, but my friend Carrie told me that because I had just been, I'd been vent, you know, venting to her all the things I had tried and how discouraged I was and lonely I was. And, and I was kept using this word need, you know, I need this friend. I need to, you know, find, I need this community and I need the support and whatever. And she, um, she sent me a quote from Elizabeth Elliot that said, God has promised to supply all of your needs. What we don't have now, we don't need now. Mm. <laughs> I was like, wow, I have kind of made this a little bit of an idol in my, in my life. Mm. And I obviously don't have it now because I don't need it now. And mm. to really trust the Lord to, to bring that person or, or that group of women in my life mm when it is the right time. And to, and I really think he, he's, he's just teaching me a lot during this time um, about really depending on him instead of expecting other people to meet my, uh, uh, my needs. Yeah. And then really Tim, good. and then Tim was really, um, you know, uh, 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 empathetic too, because he's the one who, you know, we kind of just have one another and <laughs> has to hear all of my, all, all of my struggles and stuff, but he doesn't mind, but he really encouraged me to focus on the people that I do have in my life rather Mm -hmm. than constantly going and striving after what isn't there. And he said, God really has placed a lot of great people in your life. You know, we, we do have a great church who loves us and takes care care of us really well. And um, a lot of, um, a lot of grandma types that, because we're kind of on our own here, we've moved away from family and, um, we're kind of isolated in that sense, but the people have really kind of come around our children and loved on them and they help us. And, but he said, you, we do have a lot of people that God has put in our lives. Why don't you just focus on really investing in them and, Mm. you know, mainly being the children and him and the church family and, and the Lord has been really blessing our church and growing um, and bringing some young families and really encouraging me to invest in them. Um, and helping them grow spiritually too. And it, it just and just reminded me of that verse from Matthew 6, where it talks about how we are to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness versus, you know, versus our own and building our own kingdom and our, and our own comforts in, in life and letting him add unto us what he, de- what he desires of us. If we just focus on that one thing being his kingdom and letting the rest just fall into place according to his will. Those are some good refocusing points, I think. (laughs) Yes. I do think that desiring a mentor and desiring close friendships is not a wrong thing, but I do appreciate the advice to recognize that it's maybe not the ultimate thing and it's not, um, it it may not be what God has for you, right? Like you may be focusing on the wrong person. Yeah. And and I think have you ever found like when you move to a new community or place or go to a new church and you think, "Oh, I don't think that could be my friend." And then you get to know them and they're like amazed, like un, like opening the treasure box of that person and you're like, "Oh, we yes. do connect a little bit more than I mm-hmm. thought we could." Yeah. I, I don't know why I assumed that we couldn't be friends, but yeah, I don't know. That's been true for me. Like mm-hmm. sure. yeah. and my sister my sister-in-law, the one who, who, who actually told me about your show. Um, oh, that's funny. She, uh, she, they just had a new pastor come to their church. And I was talking with her about what I was going to be talking with you about. And 
And um, she said how they they had had this young pastor and wife come, and she's like, "Yeah, I I, I remembered what you had told me about your struggles." Um, and so I was really intimidated by her at first because she was the pastor's wife. She's like, but I really reached out to her because I figured she's new. And I remember what it was like when you moved and Mm. now they're like great friends. And so I was so, I was so glad that I could help my sister-in-law who is a lay person in her church, help her, um, see her, see her pastor's wife as a woman with needs who could really use some friendship and, um, yeah, so that was that was just really neat. Well, I think that is a really good point. This show definitely is to help pastors' wives who are struggling, but lots more people listen to the show than our pastors' wives, and mm-hmm. I think to open our eyes to the fact that there are people too with needs mm-hmm. and struggles, and um, that they we need friends. We need friends. Everyone needs friends. So to open their eyes to that, I think that is a good service. Thank you, Mary Beth, for just sharing. Your story, I really appreciate you. You're coming welcome. on so I've loved much here and talking, and talking with, talking with you and your and your listeners today. So oh, thank you for having me. So fun, and I can't wait to hear what our mentor will share. So mm, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. You're Have welcome. a great night. Okay, bye, Heather. Bye, Kathy. Any last words or advice or wisdom for any any women in ministry or not that are listening? You're just so wise. Well, I, I, I tell you what, we just, we wear so many hats. Wife, yeah. mother, uh, domestic engineer, working outside the home, uh, whatever it is. We, we aren't, we are tri-vocational to say the least. We're mm-hmm. not just bivocational. And so, but I would say um, that, you know, her basis of of strength and source is going to be our enemy of Jesus Christ. And I mean, that, that is like the biggest duh but even even we're talking today on January the seventh, and Os, you, if you read my utmost for his highest today, um, what Oswald Chambers says, that source comes from Jesus, and in the midst of everything else we do, if we commit ourselves of a lifetime of of making my roots go down deeper in Him, and I don't care what age you are, what stage you are, the feeding the source will come from Him. Mm. And after that, you've got to prioritize your marriage, your children, and those other things will come after uh, mm. those, keeping those priorities right. I think that's something that um, with so many options we have, it's easy to get off focus of those very basic timeless truths. Mm. Um, but her maturity in Christ, my maturity in Christ feeds my soul to this day. Mm. Kids, babies, seasons, and even in my case, husbands have come and gone. Mm. But Christ has stayed. Mm. God-centered. Yes, absolutely. There it is. Oh, Kathy, we could spend all day. Can you come over? No, this, this yeah. has been good. This is yeah, I, I'll, I'll come visit you. Come, come visit Dallas. Awesome. It's well, crazy here. Well, uh, I appreciate your ministry. I think you're doing is very, very valuable. Oh, and it's just so natural. This is just sweet. the most organic thing to have women share their hearts and talk among one another. Wow. I love it. It's, it's God's gift. So thank you for being a part of it. And now he can do what he wants with it. And so I appreciate your time. So much. Thanks, Heather. So much. Enjoy. Have a great day. Don't you love that they've both mentioned God being our strength? 
They both came back to that. Kathy, who's been through so much and has grown children and can say that God is her strength. And Mary Beth, who's a young mom, who's going through so much that that's what she claims, that he will provide all that she needs and to cling to that hope that she has in him. Because it is a promise. If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all else will be added unto us. And you and I, no matter what we're going through today, we we know that our circumstances will change. But we also know for sure that God will not change. He is constant. And because of that, he's our strength. He's the reason uh, I call this the God-centered mom podcast because we can't center our lives around our kids. We can't center our lives around our husbands or our jobs or our work or our roles. Uh, we have to find stability in him alone. And so I don't know what your day holds. Uh, you've already listened to this podcast today and you already are thinking on him. And I just encourage you to get in part of a community that lifts you up to get to know God better, study his word, meet with him in prayer, whatever you can do to find the depth and the strength from Christ alone. All right. Y'all are doing a great job. Keep it up. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.